All right. Hello and welcome to another episode from Tales from the Cloud. Hi, Mike. How are you today? I'm good, Felipe. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Thank you. Uh, and today, going back to our very important uh, guests here, we have Khalil Afar. Khalil is the lead uh, data, data and AI customer success unit lead here at Microsoft. So he leads the unit that I, I am working in, uh, leading the all the business around uh, solution architects and uh, how we deliver success to our customers uh, in Canada, in the overall Canada. Khalil, how are you? I'm doing fantastic, Felipe. Thanks for having me. Hey, Mike, how are you doing, buddy? I'm good, it's good to see you. Excellent, good to see both of you, or hear both of you, I guess, because the audience is not gonna see what we're talking about. But thanks, <laughs> thanks for having good, me. I'm, good, I'm for, good for them, yeah, good for them. And uh, <laughs> so, so Khalil, um, if you'd like to briefly uh, introduce yourself uh, to, our, to our audience, that would be awesome, so they get to know you better. Sure. So, so um, as, as Felipe mentioned, my name is Khalil Alfar. Uh, I, I'm the Data and AI Customer Success Lead for, for Canada. Uh, my team is um, uh, 45, about well, maybe 58 now, I think. I was going to say 45, but we just uh, we, we added the engineering organization. So it's about 58 architects, uh, data scientists, and engineers that are supporting uh, Microsoft's uh, largest and most enterprise customers and uh, helping realize value from their data. Uh, I've been in the role for about uh, a full year now. I've been at Microsoft for almost 18 years. I spent uh, 11 years in the professional services organization. I started as a, as a, a consultant. Uh, advisor consultant uh, and an architect working for some of our uh, largest financial services organization, doing a lot of uh, a strategy and uh, and uh, uh, technology adoption work in uh, in data infrastructure applications and security. Uh, I moved out of the advisory services and spent some time in the support organization, supporting also large enterprise customers using uh, uh, across Canada. And just wanted to feel what support was like and how microsoft does enterprise level support and from there i went on to uh, run the azure business for canada for four years and uh, as the azure business group leader for for the country i moved from the azure business group because uh, i wanted to experience sales and uh, so i moved to the data and ai sales organization and ran a sales team uh, in canada in the central part of canada focused on uh, the greater Toronto area, and then uh, recently moved into the customer success unit. So it's been an interesting journey. Uh, my life is uh, pre-Microsoft and post and uh, 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 and at Microsoft. Pre-Microsoft, I've been in this industry for about uh, um, when I age myself and say about maybe 30 years. Uh, I've done a lot of work in financial services, public sector, uh, healthcare, and uh, and insurance, specifically banks and insurance. My last stint was at CIBC before joining Microsoft. Awesome, that's a nice, yeah. nice career. Yeah, being at Microsoft uh, for a long time now, and um, which is which is an awesome career inside here. There's so uh, we count dog years in Microsoft, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a, it's a 18 years and uh, seven roles. Wow. So so it's a lot of opportunities. To, that's why I love this company. A lot of opportunities to move around, try different things. Absolutely, absolutely. Awesome. So, uh, so Kalio, uh, now we we're gonna we're gonna talk today about um, a topic that is, uh, I guess, interest of 
would say most of our customers in your personal interest as well in ours, which is the evolution of the chief data officer, right? Uh, and I, I believe that just looking around and being in the industry now for a while as well and looking at the banks that I work with, there is so many changes that happen all the time. I call chief data officer, chief information management officer, chief analytics officer, uh, chief head of data management now, and so on and so forth, right? Um, so I'll, let's take some time to try to digest what, what is the, that, that role, like what, if, you, if you have a sense of what are the main responsibilities, uh, and we can, of course, discuss here as well and think together. Uh, but your thoughts on, on the role and, and, and why is it so important, especially nowadays uh, for, our, for our customers and for us as well at, in Microsoft, right? Sure. So I, th I think, uh, um, you know, we talk about the evolution of the, the chief data officer role, but the reality is it's still in the very early inception phases, even though there's a lot of CDOs that have the title. Uh, obviously, the role, the function, uh, how it operates, accountabilities, how do you measure success are all still in development. Uh, I mentioned earlier uh, uh, before we kicked off the show how uh, I read an IDC stat that says uh, the turnover rate for CDOs is 50%. Uh, which means that a lot of people come into this role either not understanding what the role is all about or maybe not mm -hmm. equipped to be the individual running, uh, being the chief data officer or whatever function, to your point, uh, Felipe, we call them different things. Uh, uh, from my perspective, I think for me, the CDO is the, the voice of data within a company. Uh, like I, That's how I think about it. I think about the CDO representing data as a strategic asset. Every organization that has strategic assets, you know, including people, and you have an HR function that looks after people. You know, the customer is a strategic asset for many organizations. You have a customer success team or a customer support team or a customer team. Products are strategic assets for an organization or solutions, and you have product management. Just like that, I, I data is a strategic asset, and you, should, you have to have a, a chief data officer, somebody who's accountable for data as an asset uh, and you know using how do you leverage data to improve efficiency drive new business uh, connect better with your customers uh, drive better employee engagement collaboration uh, that's that's for me that's the core value of what a cdo is now how it came to existence and why do we need it now uh, I, I think there's there's a number of things really that are, are driving that we could talk about uh, uh, i think in the early days it was regulatory requirements a regulation drove the need for for uh, for somebody to be on the hook uh, to beside the ceo to be on the hook for data and what happens when you don't meet uh, regulatory requirements uh, either internal or external and then of course uh, the opportunity for monetization i think a lot of customers are starting to realize that data is really a differentiator and then uh, the insight like if you look at some of the large database organizations that data based organizations like uh, like uh, Google or, or any search engine or any organization doesn't have any physical assets, but they have a lot of transactional assets. Data is becoming how you differentiate and how you connect better with your customers. So data monetization and the idea of using data to as a revenue stream is, is driving the need for have somebody to, to come in and say, hey, I, I am the voice for data. I'm accountable for everything that happens to data. We can talk about, uh, you know, big data also driving a lot of this too, as uh, as the sources of data, the the, the volume, 
the veracity, the velocity of data now is increasing. A lot of our assets around us are very data driven. You think about I know, uh, electric vehicles as an example, heavily data driven. That's driving generation uh, of uh, and massive amounts of data that's now suddenly available in an organization, and an organization with traditional structures of uh, not knowing what to do with it, who owns it, who's a custodian, where does this data come from, who can have access to it, what do we do with it? It's uh, a lot of these questions are driving the need for that uh, very important now role. Is there any commonality in terms of you know the backgrounds of people you've seen be successful as CDOs or the you know 30, 60, 90 plans they've adopted to get off the ground? Because I'm just I'm interested in that sort of you know if it's one of these roles where you know 50% of them are going to be walking out the door so quickly. I'm just curious what you think might be some of the paths to success based on your experiences. Yeah, I've 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 seen a lot and read a lot about the unicorns. Uh, you know, the unicorns, uh, CDOs, and, and they kind of have these mixed quality, uh, the, this uh, uh, large uh, uh, set of capabilities. But at the, uh, at the end of the day, I think uh, you can distill it down to you, to uh, a few things. Uh, generally, a CDO is, is not a technology role. Uh, the successful ones are not technologists. They're, uh, they're amazing communicators. Uh, they have they have very solid collaboration uh, relationship building skills because of all the interactions you have to have. There has to be an element of specialization. CDO have to understand uh, you know data governance, data management, uh, quality. Uh, uh, they have to understand strategy. They have to understand how do you build uh, a, a, a technology and uh, uh, implement technology. So they have to have some sort of a specialization in the data space. They have to be. Uh, able to be uh, strategists and tacticians at the same time because the role will pull you up to a board level and then at the same time come down to hey you know we've got an issue right now where we've, uh, we're going from a pilot to production and what we thought the data was we thought the data was clean but then we realized that data is not clean now what do we do and then how do we go uh, uh, fix certain things uh, of course they, they there's an element of credibility with CDOs so the the, the more successful ones are the ones who have done it before. They have the scars, they've been in other roles and they've been able to achieve certain things. Uh, they have to have passion for data. <laughs> and then recently I was reading a book that talked about uh, how they need to have a bit of luck. And uh, of course, luck is very, very important in this case. Mm. But I think uh, as you see, as 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 I described, uh, you know, some of these skill sets are required. You can see very clearly that this is a tough job. This is this is not your typical uh, profession where, you know, you go to school and you become a CDO <laughs> yeah. or you or you you can I do 20 years in, uh, in IT and suddenly you're a CDO. It's just it's a tough role. It, it's interesting that you still said because um, looking at around and I think when I started as a software engineer looking we we had a we I worked at a company that was doing data so I was a software engineer but for data sniffing around data mining etc so it was like a data based based company data driven company overall so there's no concept I think the CIO was considered a CDO of course it didn't have silos or a small company etc and and what are you just saying to me so when I look at the enterprise customers we have, uh, the the huge challenge that they have is that siloed data everywhere. They don't even know there exists data and how to join this data together, who governs what and et cetera. So I, 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 
as you as you're talking in the most here, I'm seeing uh, something that one of my co my co my customers do, which is uh, the CDO was also the chief uh, enterprise architect, for example, as they started to learn more about the integrations between you know different softwares and etc. Of course, they had another team which are as we talked about chief analytics officer, chief machine learning officer. They are just creating, but I'm also impressed, Kelly, as the amount of uh, time. How long you've been talking about big data analytics now and we see companies starting, right, uh, this journey. And I think it's because of the complexity of, of data around and how to create those models that they are still ethics and not biased and, it's, uh, and being formally governed and et cetera. I think that's probably one of the biggest challenges um, um, this person or this role, uh, if it's one person, multiple people are doing the role. Uh, they have to inherit yeah. and tackle, right? Absolutely, and and I think uh, it's 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 what you mentioned exactly. I think if you think about uh, uh, the typical uh, typical uh, uh, typical drivers for CDO failure, it's uh, it, it you know the the surveys list a bunch of things, uh, and a number of them are what you mentioned is uh, you know you, you this concept of a, a single throat to choke where suddenly the CDO becomes the person. That mm -hmm. every data issue is blamed on, or as the the you know they become the owner of everything data, and that's not really what the CDO's job is, because data is a distributed uh, uh, asset, as many people own it, and and that's where the structure comes in of custodians and 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 owners and uh, executive sponsorships and things like that. I think uh, company culture is very important. Some companies say they're data driven, but they're not really data driven. Uh, silos uh, are are quite prevalent. The level of the individual you talked about, you know, uh, some examples of where somebody is like the chief uh, architect for data. Suddenly they they are a CDO or they're a CIO. They go, okay, well you're the CIO. Information and data are the same. So uh, you know, here you go now the CIO and the CDO. So so the 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 level of the role, the restrictions of the role, um, uh, budgets, you know, huge. You know, the CDOs need budgets to operate. Okay. So not having access to funding to be able to do. Uh, stuff they're supposed to do, uh, and I think the the flip side of it we've seen, in some organizations, CDOs come in and they get uh, saddled with some major uh, issues, major governance issues, or major regulatory issues that they have to deal with when they come in, and suddenly an agenda, uh, you know, any agenda that they pl were planning on 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 building, you know, to Mike's question earlier on on uh, the first 100 days, uh, generally a CDO's first task is to to come in and and build a case why he's there or she's there. Why are they there? Like, well, what's their role? And what's that case, case for change? Um, you know, the I feel like uh, sometimes we talk about the, the role evolving, but it's not really. I think the individual has to be hired for the, the level of uh, maturity maybe that the organization is in when it comes to data. Some organizations who are in the very early stages of data maturity require a certain level of CDO. She or he have to come in with a, a different perspective where they have to fix and build foundation, while uh, you know an organization that's a, that's a, that has a data culture that's data driven has taken care of all these things. Their next CDO, she or he will have to be a different level of CDO. They're more of a a change agent and a, and a and a, a strategist thinking about the future and where they're opening new doors and taking the organization in different places. So I think that you know. I, I love the the concept of uh, I think uh, there's a there's a 
there's a book called the Chief Data Officer's Playbook. They talk about uh, first generation CDO, second generation CDO, and third generation CDO. So that whole idea that uh, you match the CDO, just like you match in any other business function, you know, you match the CFO, the CEO, the CEO to the, the current state of the organization, what the organization needs now versus, hey, they were amazing in organization A. Let's hire them and then you bring them as a as a very future leading uh, change leader disruptor CDO. They come in and there's really nothing in the organization from a foundation perspective, no governance, no structure, no data management practices. And suddenly this this disruptor comes in and goes, oh, no, I got to create a change management program now. and I got to do the the fundamentals, which I'm not good at. Somebody else is probably better at doing that. So uh, that's probably uh, reasons why a lot of things change also. Yeah, there's a concept in there. I find just, you know, again, I've got some tenure in the industry just like you. And I think it generalizes, probably generalizes incredibly usefully. And it's that you can't skip steps in maturation. You know, because what I observe sometimes is, you know, <laughs> the, hey, I went to the Gartner, con- you know, the CEO went to the Gartner conference and said he heard that AI is hot. So we're going to come in and have a CEO <laughs> in an AI driven organization. And it's like, all right, what's the state of the art, right? Well, yeah, we got an access database over here and we got a spreadsheet that lists a couple of uh, databases over there. And, you know, the goals are fine and they may be perfectly justifiable, but you have to take a pretty, you know, sometimes laborious path to get there. And as you say, the CDO who's going to, you know, come in and write the ship and get the pump going to get the water out. It's not going to be the one to set sail to the promised land, right? Yeah, and 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 Mike, you make a great point. You can't buy your way into a a, a, a more mature level. You can't go from whichever maturity model. If you use CMMI, for example, you can't buy your way from from initial to optimize. You just can't just spend money on it. So oh, we're optimized now. We've bought some bunch of software. We've we've uh, written some documentation. The, to your point, there's there's a there's a process you have to go through, uh, but at the end of the day, I think it it still comes down to the 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 culture of the organization has to change. If you were to if you want to support truly support being data driven, the the organization's culture. And we had the the recent uh, 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 session that you and I were on. We we're talking about that uh, the 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 data culture itself, what that means. I think if you think about that, it's most simplistic term, uh, an organization uh, becoming data centric and driving a data culture is that making sure that every employee uh, is expected that they will use data to make decisions, making sure that data is available to every person who needs it, of course, with the right governance. And then, of course, teaching and, and continuing to build data skills in the organization. If you say, you know, it seems like three simple mandates. But to make that happen, it's a it's a quite an undertaking. It's it's huge and it requires multi-year, and this doesn't happen overnight. Well, you know, we're still in the process of convincing, you know, the shipping company, the forestry company, the mining company, but they're a tech company, right? <laughs> it's like Satya always says this: every company is a software company, whether you like it or not. And I Absolutely. think you know, data is the same way. And I think they're going through kind of an existential crisis. It's like we're why not. Mike, I think we lost it for someone. Yeah, you know what? I, I hit my computer in the US. And <laughs> then the heat of the moment, you got Mike got excited. Yeah. <laughs> I miss my audience when I present at work, so I had to hit my computer. No, I was saying, um, let this part out. Embracing, yeah, no, embracing no, but, the change, no, right? But, but you, you, you are. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, you, thank you. Thank you. Around, um, you know, as companies start to go through that transition, you have to, I think, just 
go in with two, like you have to kind of jump into the deep end, right? The longer you kind of dilly dally and decide, are we, aren't we, you know, the competitive market just passes you by. Yeah, right. absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> and and you, you talked about it. It's uh, every every company is becoming digital. And if we all believe data is at the center that's enabling the digitization of these companies, then then every company is becoming a data company. And and then you have to really think about the implication of what this means across a number of things that you 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 do at function. One of the things that we're doing, we're working very closely with the uh, the Enterprise Data Management Council as as part of their their cloud data management uh, virtual team that's developing this cloud data management framework uh, that's you know very focused on on uh, what organization needs to do that are moving data into the cloud. It creates a nice structure for uh, any CDO or data leader to come in and uh, start thinking about uh, all the main, the primary pillars that you have to think about from you know data catalog and classification, accountability, governance, uh, accessibility, usage, lifecycle management, uh, data protection, data privacy, all these elements. You know we're working very closely with the Enterprise Data Management Council and other cloud vendors. Uh, who were were collaborating together because this topic is very important. It's not uh, it's it's not it's not to compete on. It's to collaborate on to create the right structure that will allow all of us to benefit from uh, the technologies and the innovation that's coming from data and the cloud. I, I did accreditation with the uh, EDM Council recently, and it's actually a really, really comprehensive body of knowledge. And I think you alluded to it earlier, the learnings all came out of the catastrophic failures in the investment banking community in the United States after the mortgage crisis. Absolutely. They asked the simplest possible questions about their portfolio, and they realized very quickly, we don't have the foggiest idea how to answer this. And that was almost the genesis of the CDO role. Absolutely. And, and what I love about it is that uh, this this council, which uh, not just technology companies are a member, but most uh, most of the large organizations right now in every industry are members, including a large number of public sector uh, uh, accounts or a public sector uh, organizations. They're all part of it because we're all working together on refining this art of what it, what does it mean to manage data, which is not an easy an easy uh, a challenge or problem. But if you have a lot of uh, brains working together and collaborating, I think we'll, uh, we'll, we'll be in a much better state to be able to solve it and not just solve it in terms of having the right framework, the right structure, the right roles, uh, the, uh, you know, CDO and their, the CDO's office, but also influence the tooling element on how vendors like ourselves are creating environments, tools, and, and, uh, and all the elements to support the complexity that comes from having, uh, you know, such an such an asset being uh, 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 in the cloud or in a hybrid environment. Yeah. So, Kelly, you, based on what Mike just said here, uh, and, and this question might be for Mike and for you actually, uh, talking about FIs overall, right, and FSIs. Let's assume those guys are the most uh, mature, right, in terms of handling data, chief data officers, or might or might not be. Who would be, uh, in your opinion, second in the industry that are, uh, you know, evolving in, uh, into having that role proper, properly built around it, or have, or at least having a strong participation on the council that you just mentioned as well, right? What other industries are are also driving this change, other than financial services? Yeah, uh, um, I'll probably, if I think about uh, right after financial services. 
I think retailers are probably doing a, yeah. a, an interesting job because retailers understand that uh, everything, uh, every insight they have about you is, is critical. Of course, technology companies and a lot of technology companies, that's their bread and butter. And, and if you think about not just uh, a technology company like uh, a Microsoft or a Google, but you know, look at an Amazon, for example, as a as a retailer, but they're really a technology company. So I think that, that we're seeing those organizations innovate uh, quite a bit in data space. Mike, I don't know, uh, I think healthcare is probably another one. Uh, I, don't know they, I don't know maturity level though, but at least the desire to innovate because data is so critical. Yeah, retail, I would say, is definitely one, especially supply chain and the mar- and marketing. Those two parts of retail, I think, have been very early adopters. Health such a diverse one. So, you know, on the government side, I mean, clearly the desire, but the inhibitors have always just been financial, right? It's not a it's not tech we're talking about here. It's not a cash rich uh, industry on the I mean, definitely health insurance. So if you look towards um you know, some of the larger health insurers, especially in the United States, incredibly yeah. sophisticated. Health research, I think you can probably, yeah. a lot of the research work that's going that's going into uh, into the healthcare industry is also very data-driven, very heavy usage there. I think uh, uh, energy, if you think about automotive as an industry, uh, if you think about energy and some of the work going on there, there's also some, uh, at least the realization that sophistication is critical now. Uh, in terms of um, being able to model and personalize modeling for uh, for individual use cases, so there's some work there. I think overall, um, I feel like uh, um, every industry right now really realizes that they have to have a plan. They have to be have a, a, a at least a roadmap on how they're going to become a lot more data savvy than they are. And I think at the end of the day, that's what really matters. If every organization does whatever whatever uh, assessment they do to assess where they are right now and create a plan to get to the next level. I think that's that's all you can do at this point, one step at a time. And you're near and dear to my heart, this is another one, gaming. It is, yeah. it's a digital native business and it is as telemetry rich as anything out there. And it, I saw recently now it's surpassed, I think it's movies and sports combined in terms of revenue. It did $120 wow. billion dollars in 2020. And it is among the most data rich you'll find. Oh, that's crazy. It, it, it's 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 uh, what you, you guys just said as well. If you think about uh, what they are trying to solve, are also totally different, right? Because if you look at uh, think with me at, about FIs or financial service, they are tackling trying to tackle revenue possibly or growing right cross sell, best sell, uh, uh, optimization, etc. Healthcare probably looking at you know uh, reducing bias or keeping a, a patient uh, healthy and taking care. Gaming is probably looking at Actually, game improvement, right? I'd say, Mike, and also uh, all the ways to monetize that that game. So yeah. there is an aspect of monetization that's all around, but uh, yeah. especially talking about which is which is also a, dri- a you know a, a driving change of, of transformation of digital transformation, right? Of course, uh, money monetization. How you're gonna get more revenue? But there is an aspect that is quite cool that I think of at least, which is they are very uh, uh, tied to keeping their customers' data, you know, secure and and and, and also. Uh, take care of, of the data as they will take care of, of a user, of a, of a customer. Anyway, so that's, mm-hmm. I think those are the interesting things I can get from, from those different industries uh, trying to tackle those those challenges. Well, that Absolutely. becomes an incredibly interesting um, challenge for the CDO is not only, you know, deriving value from the data and monetizing it and all that, but 
you know, not just managing the risk in the data they have, but managing the risk in what you need to do to the data to make it useful for analytics, right? If you think about the way we've always kind of designed this, it was, you know, build a bigger wall, keep everything separate, and that's fine. And now all these analytics folks are coming, no, 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 bring it all together, right? It's like, imagine in your house, taking all the valuables and putting it in the bucket and putting a sign on it that says, you know, come on and grab me, right? It's kind of like what we're recommending them doing. So it's so much of the interesting work becomes how do you do analytics in a manner that's going to be sustainable with respect to risk management? Yeah, I, I, I saw this. Uh, <clears throat> I saw this uh, chart and 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 an article that talks about these principles of uh, data and, and really managing data as a strategic asset. I like I like how they. I got to remember uh, to to credit the individual. Uh, they talk about, you know, the most all organizations, regardless of what stage you're in, they need to shift from a state of well, this is my data to our data. This is our data uh, to all of us together, uh, uh, really making uh, data governance everybody's responsibility. And there's even the concept of non-intrusive data governance is that you, everyone's doing, every organization is doing data governance today. They're just not really, they, don't have, they might not have a formalized data governance program, but somebody Somebody uh, uh, knows where this data is coming from. Uh, coming from. Somebody knows and ma is maintaining it. Somebody is the custodian or the owner of the data. Some executive is making decisions on how this data changes and and where it's being used. So somebody is doing this, but it's not really formalized. But how do you create now a a a, a, a governance culture where everyone is aware uh, what the data is and the value of that data they're using and 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 all the different elements of governance around it and of course it's a you know just paying attention to quality which is what you just called out the the amount of data that's available right now and it's coming in having responsibility around uh, the the quality of the data and making sure that it's defined it's managed it's consistently across the the life cycle from acquisition to 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 uh, you know greedy deletion if that ever happens and of course, compliance becomes critical in this case. You always have to pay attention to the the regulations that you have to you really have to watch out for, and you have to comply with. So, kind of the, these principles, uh, these four key principles, uh, I, I I love to use them with many customers as we're talking. Uh, is that uh, changing that mindset from data being an individual or siloed ownership to uh, it's a company wide ownership. And the non-intrusive governance is such an interesting concept. And this is actually I mean, a bit of a challenging question for some. And I think this is actually one of these, if I were to surmise, a path to failure for many CDOs who fall, fall into the bad side of that 50%. Well, when I was sort of taught data management, one of the points the instructor made in a very contentious manner, but based on his own experience, was don't start with governance. Because right. it, it, whether you like it or not, it has this very negative connotation. It has the sense of roadblocks and policies and procedures and checklists, which may or may not be necessary. But if you're addressing all the things you can't do before, here's what we're going to help you do. That's usually a pretty quick way to wind yourself, you know, probably wind up either getting bypassed or walked out the door. Yeah, a great point. A great point. And may, maybe <clears throat> that's one of the things why I, I like how how the Enterprise Data Management Council frames these things. This is a it's a framework. It's a framework that includes governance as one of the things you got to worry about, but not the yeah. only thing. And then, and then uh, you know, start asking yourself a whole bunch of questions. And as you start asking questions, if you, regardless if you you call it governance program or not, as you uh, start asking the how, what, what, where, who of data, then you automatically are practicing governance. You just Absolutely. don't have to call it governance. It doesn't have to cost money. 
doesn't have to begin with buying a boatload of software or solutions. It starts with just asking some questions and trying to find the answers to them. Yeah, yeah again, I think it's it's one of the principles in that book, the non-intrusive data governance. Yeah, where, uh, I love that. You know, book. it's you kind of you have to let it. When you start making important decisions, when you start establishing principles, I think you naturally will find. If it matters that the decision is actually followed, oh hey, we got a, we have a governance control point now. Yeah, right? absolutely. I think doing that organically is a very useful way to think about it. Again, outside of data, this is just the general practice in IT governance that I've found very effective, rather than the very heavy-handed, you know, thou shalt, thou shalt, right? Great point. Great point, especially in in this case where the the CDO's life is so connected to so many different roles that you can't create walls again. You got to come in and be a collaborator. Awesome, and, and folks, thank, thanks, Khalil. I think it's, it's super valuable discussion here. We are just getting to our last uh, five minutes, so wanted to respect uh, your time. And if if we had to, by the way, just a question: Is the EDM uh, document or the Data Management Council uh, document available for for public, or is it uh, not yet? Uh, do you know? So, so the uh, everything the Enterprise Data Management Council uh, has is available for members. And okay. So, if you're a member, if you're your organization, you you can find out very easily by going to edmccouncil.org and seeing if you, if your organization is is part of the members. They do have some public content available, yeah. but uh, of course, members have a lot of content access to. The whole framework, the DCAM model, which is their capability assessment model, mm -hmm. uh, 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 capability maturity model, and, uh, and a lot of the cloud stuff that I talked about is not ready yet. We're actually building it right now. We're working together with EDMC and a, and a few uh, organized uh, commercial organizations, public sector organization, and other cloud providers, uh, a Snowflake, Google, AWS, Microsoft, working together to kind of build that framework. That will be available to members and be given to the members to go to go use and leverage. But a lot of insight, I think, every organization can benefit from being a member. I know my, I, I'm, I'm pitching EDMC heavily because I believe in that, and a third-party, non-biased organization really driving the the framework of how uh, that asset, in this case, data, should be used. Absolutely, and then the reason I asked also is that if our audience wants to read and you know get more information, they might go there. But good to know that some of those are public, some are built built yet. Uh, but if you're part of an organization, you could possibly have a, a connection that being a member. So, Absolutely. so to finish our chat here, uh, is there? I know you are an avid uh, reader, so from uh, follow you on uh, LinkedIn. Any any books you'd like to recommend, either on Chief CDO or or not? Uh, any books you'd like to recommend to our our audience here, either from a right. beginner levels or advanced level in data, if they are starting on, or yeah, absolutely. I think there's a lot of books, and of course, if you if you want books outside of data topics, just follow me on LinkedIn, and I'm usually <laughs> very public about what I'm reading. Uh, I think uh, you know Mike talked about the, the non Robert Signer. I think uh, a great book, uh, but uh, you know how do you uh, uh, peacefully trying to use data governance into your organization without causing a storm. Uh, uh, the, the Chief Data Officer's Playbook by uh, Carolyn Carruthers and Peter Jackson, amazing book, especially the second edition, even has a pandemic section. It's been updated to kind of how do you deal with, uh, with, uh, with uh, the unfortunate scenario we're all in. There's a great book by a gentleman, his name is Sunil Soares, and uh, it's, uh, it's called yeah. the Chief Data Officer's Handbook 
for data governance. Mm -hmm. These three books are amazing. And, and what I love about them is that there's no uh, architectural diagram in any of them. There's no tool reference. Uh, it's all about uh, you know, how do you how do you run a data business as a CDO? Okay? And that's really we should be looking at it. It's a data business, and you're you're the owner of this asset. And I'll go back to to where I started is that you know we have uh, uh, HR leads that are responsible for our human resources. We have product leads that are responsible for the product. The CDO's job is to be the voice of data, and data is an asset and uh, the, the, the more trained these individuals are, the better it is for all of us. Perfect. Khalil, thank you very much for your time today. Appreciate your being here with us. And thank you. Uh, looking forward for another chat. Maybe we can do another one in a couple of months or Absolutely. three months. <laughs> in another next, maybe, maybe the next stop, maybe the next topic is governance and we'll get really, we'll get through, uh, we, we start up the, the, the podcast on talking about governance. But I appreciate the time. Appreciate the, 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 the questions. Very engaging discussion. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Take care. Take care. Thank you, Bye, everyone. everybody.